Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello friends and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Ticket IQ. Do you like to buy tickets to Dodgers games? Because I do, because I have to buy tickets to the Dodgers games. But I also like to save money. And that's what Ticket IQ helps you do. So, Ticket IQ will help you save anywhere from 10 to 15% on your tickets. That's super rad. So don't get caught up paying more than you should have to pay to go see the Dodgers. So, if you go to the bio on the Bleed Los Podcast Instagram or Twitter account, click on the link that's there. It'll take you to Ticket IQ, and you can search all of the tickets. So please, TicketIQ.com. Terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details. Huge thanks to TicketIQ.com for the support. This uh, episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our good friends at Bleedlos. Bleedlos is a fan apparel company that is all Dodgers all the time. www.bleedlos.com They have the super rad Joe Kelly Loteria style shirt right now. Highly recommend copying that joint. It is available on bleedlos.com. So for being a loyal listener to this here podcast, if you use the promo code BLEEDLOSPOD, you will save 10% on your purchase. As always, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details, bleedlos.com. And last but not least, our good friends at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com, FOCO. They have been uh, day one supporters of this here podcast. We really appreciate their support. They have all the things, bobbleheads, shirts, you want a Hawaiian shirt that's Dodgers related? Boom. Go to foco.com. You can find it. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, as always, if you click on the bio for uh, or the description, excuse me, for this here podcast that you're listening to on whatever platform you're on, it's going to take you to a link. It's going to take you to a website. That website is Foco's. Go ahead and add whatever you want to add to your uh, your cart. And from there, it'll uh, you'll save some money. So again, terms and conditions always do apply. Please see their website for more details. Huge thanks to FOCO.com. This week we are joined by the Los Angeles Dodgers organist, Dieter Rule. I was getting mentally prepared for that tongue twister because they always get me. Dieter was gracious with his time, gave us some dope stories. We talked about Kobe, talked about the Dodgers, talked about how he got the gig, talked about how he was playing the organ at the forum when he was like 12 years old, which is just bonkers. But it was a great time, good hangs, and uh, and and just just super great storyteller too. Man, it was dope. Anyway, here is another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Fans, this is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan, with the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And this week on the Bleed Lows Podcast, we are joined by uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers organist, Dieter Rule. Dieter, thank you for joining us, man, and we really appreciate the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, you uh, you've played for three championship teams in three different sports. 
Does that mean that for each of those championships that you got a ring? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> I, I have two Stanley cup rings. Um, the Lakers didn't give me a ring. They gave me an option to purchase and uh, the Dodgers gave me the option to purchase a ring. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, and, and here you know, I thought it's, you not, had it's, like... it's not personal. I mean, there's like many, I'm not the only one, you know, right. um, it, there's people that make the stadium run that didn't get rings. Um, you know, um, yeah, there's dozens and dozens of people who didn't get rings. So, it, you know, so, so were you going to buy a ring from your petty cash? I mean, did they give you a discount, at least a coupon with the option to purchase? Uh, there, I think there's a discount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're not the same as the player rings from what I, from what I remember reading They're they're duplicates. I think they're cubic zirconia, I think. Um, and it's weird because in, in, in being an organist, you know, I'm not considered like part of the full-time staff, I guess. So, um, but like I said, I'm not the only one, you know, um, there's a bunch of us that didn't get them. So, you know, but, so it's not personal, you know. I think getting the rings from the Kings when they won Stanley Cups, that was like a, a big surprise. I wasn't expecting it, you know, but they're pretty awesome. <laughs> well, I got to I mean, you're a much better man than I am, Dieter, because I just got to say that sucks. And yeah. for, for me right now, I didn't know the Kings were such a great organization. To me, they're, they're a fantastic organization taking <laughs> care of their people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess they have their reasons. They, they got to draw the line somewhere, you know. Um, but I try to look at the glass half full. You know, I'm happy to be there, you know. We, we had uh, uh, Todd Lights on. And Todd, uh, Todd spoke very highly of, of not only yourself, but your other colleague, Severe. And you guys, in my opinion, have one of the more difficult jobs because you have to keep ambiance going in a stadium, right? You know, you, you, you play the music, DJ uh, Severe does his stuff, and then Todd obviously does what he does. Mm -hmm. During the, the pandemic, obviously there was nobody there. It's just you guys, clubhouse staff, players, et cetera. Right. How, how difficult was it for you to kind of keep that ambiance going, especially in your particular role with nobody there? You know what? I think I went about it. I can't speak for the players, but I think they gave it a hundred percent and, and we did too. You know, I can't speak for severe or Todd, but when, you know, I took my job as like, as if there were 50,000 fans there, you know, I just tried my best to just do it as usual. And, um, but yeah, there's times when you like, you're not getting the same response. You weren't getting any response really from the cardboard cutouts. So it was definitely different, you know, um, but I was, I caught myself still being very involved in the game situations. And, um, so I still, it, it was, it was, it was still me being, trying my best, you know, doing, doing my thing. Yeah. So Dieter, you talk to me about how you got this job because you followed, I'm not saying that Nancy B is Vin Scully, but baseball is a game of traditions and people are so, I mean, you heard people losing their mind that farmer John was no longer providing the hot dogs at Dodger stadium. Yeah. How did you get the job and how did it feel to be following Nancy B who had been doing it for so long? Got it. Well, back in, uh, I think it was January of 2013. Um, I got a call from the Dodgers asking if I'd be interested in filling in for her on the organ. Cause they knew 
that uh, during that upcoming season, she had planned on missing some games. So um, I think they knew of me from my work over at the uh, Kings and Lakers. So they had me come in for an interview and I said, yeah, I'd love to fill in for her. And so later that season, I filled in. I think my first game was that game uh, when Yasiel Puig, had, he, he was fairly new and the Dodgers played the Diamondbacks and the benches cleared more than once. <laughs> yeah, that was my first game filling in for Nancy B. Hefley. So uh, I did a few games that year and then through 2015. Um, and at the end of 2015, she retired. And then um, in November of 2015, they asked if I was interested in the job. I'm like, yeah, of course, that'd be great. I, I, don't, I didn't know if, if they were going to um, still keep the organ or if they had somebody else in mind or you, know, you just don't know. So, um, so then I started uh, in the 2016 season, which makes this now currently my sixth year with the Dodgers. To follow up on that, that your first game there, do you ever get tempted to play some sort of music during the brawl? Did you want to just like get everybody pumped? Because I have to admit, some of your song choices where you're making subtle comments on what is going on in the game is brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. Um, from what I remember that game in 2013, I think... You know, there's, there's so much going on on the field with the guys fighting and everything. I, I do think I might have played a little bit of the, the theme to Rocky, Gonna Fly Now. You know? <laughs> I think I did. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when you, when you, uh, you know, because obviously there, you know, you, you, you played uh, uh, the stuff that you've played for like the likes of like Josh Reddick and such. Obviously making the point there yeah. for, for what's gone on. Yeah. I'm just curious, have any of those players or any of those clubhouses pushed back on any of that stuff? Uh, fortunately, no. I haven't heard any pushback. Um, sometimes I wonder, even if our own guys, like like uh, Chris Taylor, like so many times I'm playing the Andy Griffith theme. You know, if he just, you know, makes a routine, you know, put out, you know, and uh, I, I think to myself, God, I hope he's not getting tired of this, you know, but so far I haven't heard anything, you know. Um, but nothing, uh, from Reddick or, you know, cause you know, Houston was here last year and, and we played a bunch of stuff. And so, um, I haven't heard any sort of pushback at all. Take me behind that, that, what is the story behind that Andy Griffith? Because I feel like some of your music choices really reveal a lot about your personality. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I feel like you have a real acerbic sense of humor. But what what's the story with the Andy Griffith? Just because the, the characters on the show, um, Sheriff Andy Taylor, um, I believe, uh, I believe there's Opie Taylor, just because mm -hmm. of the Taylor connection. Oh, okay. Taylor, Taylor. Mm -hmm. So I've even played some Duran Duran because there's, uh, I think the Taylor brothers are in Duran Duran. So something to associate with Chris Taylor. Um, but then with other guys, like uh, like recently I've been playing uh, Cody Ballinger's, one of his new walk-up songs this year is uh, um, Gangster's Paradise. So, um, which I didn't even know that song was a remake of a Stevie Wonder song. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, but so sometimes I try to to like duplicate the their own walk. Like I used to duplicate Hotel California for Cody. 
Um, but others, it's like kind of hard to play their walk-up songs. So I'll just try to do something maybe based on the player's name. So. And do you, I mean, I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I guess the kind of story went with the Reddick thing that if, uh, he jokingly said something to the effect of oral Hershizer of, do you have any garbage can songs or something like that? Um, but, it, but it, when, when you, uh, essentially the Dodgers just give you kind of free reign to play pretty much whatever you want, right? There, there is no, uh, as, as we say in our world, creative differences between yourself and, and the powers that be. Right. No, it's, it's really a, a great team to work for in the sense that they let Severe and I, um, be ourselves and be creative and and they trust us you know not to cross the line and and um it's nice to just be able to have that creative freedom and just be myself you know and um it's taken i mean like when i first started in 2016 i think i wasn't quite um i don't know playing the same things you know because i i was like I was new and I was like, I wasn't really sure, you know, but then I started feeling things like, okay, this can use a little filler here or there. Like if Chris Taylor, you know, catches a fly ball. Um, so I kind of, they kind of just kind of let me grow with, with the job, I think you could say. So, but no, they've been great. You know, just letting me be me. So, uh, Dieter, I, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious in this sense, how does one go? Is there a big demand for playing the organ? Like, how did you, how did you learn how to play the organ? I mean, is there, is it that much different from playing the piano? Um, I don't know. It's different. It's definitely different because with the piano, you just have the one set of keys, the one keyboard. And with the organ, you have two keyboards, sometimes more. Um, and then bass pedals. And so, and the piano is acoustic, it just hammer and strings, but organs are electronic unless you're playing a pipe organ. And that's, you know, uh, wind and pipes and, and things. Um, it's, it's similar in that, you know, the keys are the same and F is an F, a G is a G, you know, uh, but the feel is a little bit different. Um, as far as there being a demand, I mean, it depends on what industry, I guess. Um, I think in sports, I mean, there, there's not many teams, obviously. Uh, we just have like, in LA, there's two of each, right? You know, basketball, hockey, baseball. Um, but there aren't, if you look at, at North America, there's what, 30, 30 MLB teams, I think? Yeah. So yeah. out of 300 plus million people, <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, uh baseball organists out there uh, and I think in MLB I think about half the teams have organists I think in the NHL there's 20 I think 28 out of the 31 teams have organists I think the NBA is the smallest number I think there's only six or seven organists in the NBA so and I'm, I'm doing more than just playing the organ too though uh, I'm playing some of the recorded tracks so um, like DJ Severe has all the walk-in music uh, all the players walk up songs, um, the between inning stuff like the dance cam and the, the, the kiss cam, but yet I'll um, play like the in-game recorded stuff. So like if you hear it takes two for a double play, that's me playing the track uh, just so, we, so we're not stepping on each other, you know, um, and then I'm doing all the pre-recorded like 
drum things and the, you know, boom, boom, psh, those things. Um, and I do like the visiting, the, the music for the visiting lineups. It's just a music bed while Todd reads the visiting lineups. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I could take you back to when I started. Uh, yeah, how many and, instruments can you play? Yeah. No, I, was, I started off taking a classical piano <laughs> and I was like nine or 10. And um, I'd go to Dodger games and I go to Kings games, you know, winter, summer, right? And I remember just the organ always stood out to me. Like I'd sit out in left field with my dad and I'd, I'd hear the organ and I'm like, oh, dad, what was that song? What was that song? You know, it was, in those days, it was Helen Dell on the organ at Dodgers. And um, anyway, I uh, wrote a letter to Channel 7 when I was 11 years old um, because they had a thing called sports fantasy during the, the sports segment of the, the local news. And I saw there was this guy playing with the Rams, like at a practice, like they practice in Fullerton in those days. And um, so my sports fantasy was to play hockey with the Kings. But if that's not possible, I asked them if I could play the organ at a game. And they were like, oh, let's go with that one. So a few weeks later, in November, and it was the day after I turned 12, I got to play um, at part of a Kings game. And I was just like, wow, this is great, you know, I mean, at the forum in those days. And um, so then I was just hooked. And I used to write letters to the, the teams at the forum, the Lakers and the Kings, you know, if you ever have any openings, I was this little 12-year-old, 13-year-old, fourth. but when I was 15, the, there was an opening. They had a brand new indoor soccer team, the LA Lasers. And they're like, oh, we, and this was under the bus family. And they're like, um, yeah, you know, basically. So they hired me. And I was 15. So my mom was driving me to games. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in those days, it was just all organ. It was all organ. There were no dancers, no video board. Um, so that's how I got started. And uh, then oh, wait, we let me let me get this straight. You were 15 years old. Yes. Playing the organ for the L.A. Lasers. At the Forum, yeah. Were you in the booth by yourself? Yeah, well, the, the organ was uh, kind of in the crowd, in the colonnade section, which was the upper level at the Forum, um, near the owner's box. But the Lasers got small crowds, so there really weren't many people around. But it was just there on a platform, like near the spotlight, up at the <laughs> north end where the flags were. Um, yeah. And you never panicked. Like, it never sunk into your head. I'm 15 years old. What am I doing here? Because you know there's got to be some jerk in the in the audience. Let's say you mess up a note or something going, oh, that guy, that kid messed up or that guy messed up. They probably didn't know it was a kid up there. I mean, it was a long time ago, so I don't have a lot of precise, you know, specific memories of that. But mm -hmm. I don't remember anything bad ever happening, really. I mean – Everybody was really nice, and uh, you know, it was, it was fun, and um, it was it was that's kind of how I got started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. and out of all those gigs, because I mean, those I mean, truthfully, that, that's an impressive resume on its own, right? Thanks. Lakers, Kings, Dodgers, uh -huh. and now defunct Lasers. Out of all yeah, those, at fifteen, I was watching wrestling, dude, yeah. and Dieter's <laughs> out there playing the Oregon. At a professional sports contest, I was like in my first punk rock band and skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's one of those like like kudos to you, man. But uh, 
out of all those gigs that you've done up to this point, obviously the, the, you know, you're with the Dodgers right now. Yeah. Which would you say is the most difficult out of those? Because obviously the, the environment is different in all of them. Yeah. Um, hmm. Like you said, the environment's different. Um, I don't know. I mean, they each have their own level of, uh, of being difficult. Um, I couldn't really say. I mean, like over the years doing like championship events, like Stanley Cup games and World Series games, NBA finals, um, they're all intense, you know. Um, like I remember the, the 2010 NBA finals. It was Boston against the Lakers. And man, the tension. It was just, there was so much. Um, and then uh, I know just that the 2017 World Series was just like, we had to win game six, I think, to get to game seven. I think it was on Halloween. And and that was just crazy. And then to lose was so heartbreaking. It was horrible to see Houston celebrate. It was just awful. Um, I remember that. And I remember in 2018, um, that marathon game, our game lasted, uh, game three against the Red Sox lasted seven hours, five minutes, I think. And it was 18 innings. And, and I think back to that, like sometimes now we'll have like a, a three and a half hour game or four hour game. I'm tired. I'm like, how did I do a seven hour game? <laughs> you know, it must've just been all adrenaline, you know? Um, right. and I can only imagine me. like, you know, bands are trying to fill 45 minutes for a set and you're, Oh, I got to do seven hours. No big deal. Well, yeah. I mean, it's different though. I mean, there's, right. there's big chunks where I'm not playing, you know, like I don't really play much when the visiting team's batting except for put outs, you know, and strikeouts. So I have to, always focus on that um so yeah i mean there is a level of focus for for all those hours for sure but uh what would you say are some of your biggest musical influences i'm always curious to hear that from musicians um well you know there's uh i grew up listening to well in the 70s just a variety of stuff i was a little kid um but it wasn't until like the eighties I got into like my very first album it was a cassette. It was Van Halen, 1984, you know, and that had jump in Panama hot for teacher, I think. Um, yeah. And I started getting into like the, just the hard rock stuff like Iron Maiden and, and, and but I was also into Prince and, and I saw Prince in concert. And, um, I started getting into Depeche mode. Um, and as the eighties went on Daft Punk and, and um, it's funny because the older stuff I didn't that I was living through as a kid I didn't really know about till I got older, you know some of the the classic rock stuff. So, um, but it was always sports organ too. I mean, I, I whenever the Dodgers would go to Pittsburgh, I loved the the Pirates organist there. You know, whenever um, the, uh, the the Angels would play the White Sox, I'd hear the, the organ in the background. Uh, Nancy Faust at the White Sox. She's legendary amongst organists. Um, and same thing for hockey. Whenever the, whenever there'd be a game, like whenever the Lakers play the Sixers at the Spectrum, I loved hearing the organ there at the Spectrum. It's like, oh man, it just spoke to me. So there was the pop music influence and rock and everything, but there was also the organists too. They was like, oh, and I would imitate them, you know, like, oh, I can do, I can do the guy in Pittsburgh or St. Louis or, or Philadelphia or Yankee Stadium at Eddie Layton in those days. And, you know, Helen Dell, of course, at the Dodgers in those days. So it's kind of a mix of both. 
So for our listeners uh, who don't know what a cassette is, uh, it was something, anyways, I digress, but I got to ask you real quick, Dieter. Van Halen, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar, and what is your favorite Prince song? Okay, with Van Halen, I'm totally in the minority here because I, I both. I love, I love songs that uh, Sammy Hagar did and David Lee Roth. I can't just pick one. Okay. You know, I, I was driving to spring training in March of 2019 with the greatest hits of Van Halen, and it, it was both. So, um, and then for Prince, God, take me with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's a good pick. Abstract but good. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to ask you because mine is Erotic City. What are your thoughts on Erotic City? Yeah, you know, it's fun. <laughs> Wow, Dieter just totally just brushed me off and said, oh, you who doesn't know anything about music. I felt, yeah, for those of you who have seen the major motion picture High Fidelity, when the guy goes in there and asks for a copy of Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You, and Jack Black goes, do you even know your daughter? I think Dieter just did that to me yes. because I told him that Erotic City was my favorite Prince song. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, Dieter Rule. <laughs> Los Angeles Dodgers organist joining us. Uh, lo- sidebar: Little Red Corvette is my favorite Prince song, yeah, yeah. and it, that that song rips. And it's and you know it's just not fair how good that song is. Uh, yeah. But you are in the minority about the Van Halen thing because I, I know plenty of guys that uh, if you said uh, oh you know either or they they flip this desk and have a conniption. Right. About yeah. It. Well, but I mean that's that's what makes Van Halen Van Halen. Yeah. 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 Uh, what a of all the songs that you currently play that you have in your repertoire, which is the the one that because you, you know, as you know, every musician has that song. Like, okay, I can't wait to play this one. Well, what's that one that you think in your mind rips the most that you enjoy the most to play? Mm. Well, I gotta say, um, I don't play it much, but Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, okay. Yeah. That was difficult to learn. It's like almost six minutes from start to finish, and. Um, I should play that a little more often, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to keep, because that's the thing, you need, I need to practice it, you know? Um, yeah. It's like the players, they're, they're taking BP, right? And I practice at home. And um, so, um, yeah, actually, I guess I could tell you a little bit about my routine um, is that um, prior to each, each home stand but prior to each game I, prior to each game i'll, I'll take uh, my ipad and and uh sometimes i'll look over the roster of uh whoever's playing the dodgers just to see if there's any names that pop out um but then i'll just go over a list of like what to play i get like a pregame set um uh usually about 30 40 minutes before game time i'll play for a bit and then um just in game i'll get some inning breaks and then the in-game stuff. Um, but then I'll look at the visiting teams. I don't want to go too crazy with it. I you know the Braves, the Atlanta Braves organist does something like for every guy. And I think it, to me, it's just not my thing. It's just a little you know, forced in a way. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to ever overdo it. You know, sometimes I just like to just lay out and just not force it. But, but yeah, so if a name stands out, I want it to be pretty obvious. Like, um, like uh gee like the giants were just in and uh Yastrzemski. so there was an 80s band called yaz i just played a little uh, i think called please don't go or something by yaz which might not be obvious to a lot of people but uh <laughs> i guess right 
it's so subjective, but. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, you got to do the uh, kind of the, the Alex Van Halen thing a little bit and do the less is more. And oh, uh, yeah, I, I met Alex Van Halen at a King. He came up to me because I served the organ was near the owner's box at the forum. Yeah. And during my first, second year of the Kings, he, he, I saw him over there like 15 feet away in the owner's box. Like, I got to play. So I started playing, I think, Dreams, you know, a very keyboard friendly song. Uh, and he came over, hey, man, you're playing my stuff. But he signed like a little drink coaster for me. You know, like, oh my God, that's Alex Van Halen. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Yeah. Is uh with with I'm curious too, you know, with with uh the Astros coming to town, the, for the first time with fans, mm-hmm. can you give us any hints of stuff that you might think that you might play? Because obviously we now know what happened with Reddick, but Reddick isn't an Astro anymore. Yeah. But uh, but uh, is there any any uh, tidbits that you can give us as we look kind of forward to that? Well, it's funny you mention that. We we discussed this. We had like a game entertainment meeting and. Since we did it last year when Houston was here, and I know the media wrote about it, um, I kind of feel like maybe just we're going to leave it to the fans. Like instead of doing it again, it's at least at my end. And I think musically, I think Severe and I, we're going to just kind of lay low and just let the fans have it. Um, I don't know. Just It's kind of like it was four years ago and then, the story broke last year and a half ago, I guess, early 2020. And I feel, I feel like I got it all out last year, you know? Um, but I'm never over. I, I hate when people say, get over it. Like, no, I mean, like nobody can, can tell anybody else how to feel. It's like right. what, what happened wasn't, was definitely wrong, you know? And, um, but I don't, I want to try to stay positive and it's like, okay, and there's not many guys left anyway, um, but at my, in my position, I'm just going to turn the page and it's like, okay, you guys are out there. You're in and coming, coming here in August. It's just like, yeah, I mean, the fan, fans should have at it. You know, bring, bring whatever you want to bring, yell, whatever they let you bring in. And um, I think the fans need to get it out. I, I feel like I got it out last year, if that makes sense. You yeah, know? yeah. No, um, no, it makes perfect sense. And of course, Reddit came back earlier this year in Arizona. So I, I threw in that. Um, I saw the sign. Um, but, but <laughs> again, I, brilliant. I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I could do what I did again last year, but I just felt like, eh. It's like, I want to stop staring at the toilet. It's time to flush it. And like, <laughs> I'm done. You know, it's like, how many times? I don't want to. I not. So I just think musically, I'm just going to like let, it, let, the, let the fans have it, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, no. You know, I yeah, it's interesting, Dieter, because I've asked that question to so many people, and a lot. I'm surprised at the number of people that share the same sentiment as you, and that is they're ready to move on, but yet all the fans are still hung up on it. I mean, the tickets to that series are ridiculous. Like everybody wants to go there. So you but, think that after they do come, that that's it? We should put it that all of us should put it behind us? No, I mean I think it's up to you know each person, but I think that's part of the issue is that the fans didn't have the chance that I had last year. Mm-hmm. I think it might change once the fans can can go to those games when Houston's here. Once they can, I think we all need to kind of get it out, you know. And so I think that would be, I guess therapeutic for the fans to just like get it out and um and if 
if they still want to do it again in 20 in the future, you know, that that's up to them, you know? Um, but I think that's where it's coming from. I think just, they didn't have a chance to get it out. And I think it's important to get it out. You know, so. Aside from Alex Van Halen, who's the other, uh, is there any other musicians that have, uh, just come up and be like, yo, you're playing my song. That is so sick. Do it again. <laughs> nah, that, that was the only, yeah, that was the only time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised by that just because of the amount of uh, musicians that are around all those venues. Yeah, I don't know. But again, they, they come to watch the guys on the field, you know, I think they're, and if they happen to hear it, I don't even know if they hear it you know, really, but maybe they do. I don't know. But um, I guess maybe I'm just in the background to them. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a fair point. Cause I mean, if, if I were in one of those bands, I probably wouldn't want to hear my own song when I'm out and about in, in some cases. Cause I mean, it, especially if you play them regularly, but be that yeah. as may, I do find that surprising because I, I know a lot of those guys too, that go are diehard baseball guys too, or basketball or hockey guys. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just, I, I just find that interesting. But uh, as we've talked about a bunch about a music, I'm curious to hear from you. What's a, what's your favorite, sports moment of any of those franchises that we that we've talked about that you've worked for well i gotta say um it's just hard to pick one but i mean winning championships you know um it, it, i obviously i wasn't there in texas i didn't get to go um but just you know watching it on tv was was pretty awesome you know winning the world series last year um and then, but, but even being part of the World Series at Dodger Stadium, that was such a thrill. Um, the, the, I think it was 2017 when Justin Turner hit the, the home run against the Cubs. Yeah. 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 That, was, that was so cool. And then Max Muncy, and I think it was in the 14th or 18th inning. Yeah. yeah. Against the Red Sox. I know we didn't win the series, but that was a huge thrill. And even my first year with the Dodgers, when Yasiel Puig hit the, uh, what do you call? I think you call it the little league home run. Yeah, this yeah. Washington, yeah. and that was just great. The stadium went nuts. Um, so, um, and it was great being there. Like my first season was Vince Scully's final season, so just to just to be around Vin that final year, his final year, um, was 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 really pretty cool you know, and, and to pass him, because we were both in the press box, you know, he's buying home plate a little bit off to the first base side, but um, we just, I'd see him. I, I, I went in the booth a couple times and chatted with him. And uh, that was, that was a huge thrill there. Just being around Vin for his final season. How, uh, talk to me about that. He was a monster, right? Like Vin Scully was just <laughs> someone that just, just uh, I heard he would just beat up people. A real yeah. bully, right? Right. Oh my god, it was horrible. I had to be careful. I'm kidding. It's a joke. I'm, you know, <laughs> no, he was he was he was all class. You know, such a gentleman. Um, um, I remember he told me a story about the uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers organist Gladys Gooding, and how during the uh, the final, I think it was the final game in Brooklyn, and she just locked herself in the organ booth and. She had a brown paper bag and, you know, you know what was in that bag and, and um, little things like that. I mean, I didn't talk to him often, you know, but just a handful of times here and there, you know, uh, maybe just a comment on last night's game or little, little things like that. But um, 
it was neat though to see because it was his final season. All the 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 uh, like players would come up from the field like during batting practice. Vis- guys on the visiting teams would come up to say goodbye, would say hello and say goodbye. Um, so yeah, no, Vin Vin was uh, obviously he's a legend. <laughs> it was just neat to be around to see all that. How is it? approaching somebody like that someone that you know is a legend is there any fear that oh you know they say don't meet your heroes don't meet your idols because what if vin was having a bad day that day and just blew you off like talk to me about approaching like did you even think about it or you just said there's vin scully i'm gonna do it because i don't know if i'm gonna have another opportunity um it, it i don't think it was like that really it was just like i I kind of felt like I was just not, I felt like I'm just part of the staff and then we were just kind of in the same area. It wasn't like I had to like, you know, knock on the door to get in the press box. I was already in the press box, you know? Um, and I definitely didn't want to like, like go crazy. Like, hey, man, let's, let's do a selfie. And like, I didn't want to do that. Oh, give me an autograph. No, nah. but um, it was just, it was just neat being around, you know, during his final season. Uh, like I said, to see all the, the visitors he got. And, and uh, I remember even Dick Enberg's in those days, you know, he was with, I think with the Padres. Yeah. And he came by and uh, another class act, you know, and I remember they, he went in the booth and I ended up seeing, seeing highlights of what they did. And they, and uh, that was just cool to be around, you know. Dieter roll with us for a few more minutes. Dieter, my friend Juan is going to ask you a question that, uh, that we ask everyone that joins the show. Uh, but before he does that, uh, one question about Vin, yeah. how, how many stories did you get from, or hear even in passing from Vin that even you're just kind of like, Whoa, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then Vin just tops it every time. Um, well, you know, sitting in the organ booth, I was basically listening like the viewers were at home. I, I get to hear the the broadcast because like I said, I only really had, a handful of encounters with him, not not many. Um, so the stories I heard were basically what he was sharing with the viewers uh, during the, the TV broadcasts, and there there was there was a lot of them. Um, but um, so yeah, it was just kind of like um, in passing, and then um, I was in his booth I think a couple times. Um, but there's the dining room up there too, and just in passing, just it was always just like a friendly, you know, hello, how are you, hey, Dieter? And like he knew my name, and I'm like, wow, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dieter, before I get to that famous yeah. question, don't worry, it's not the questionnaire by Bernard Devo, uh, I think, from the actor studio. But I, I just. You know, it's very obvious to me, you are a very humble man and you are, again, I cannot stress a much better man than I, you know, you had, you brushed up with Vin Scully, the number of people, you know, that you've encountered, but is this true? You worked with Kobe Bryant on a podcast called the punies. Yes. What was that experience working? Was this when once Kobe had retired from basketball or what's the time frame on this? Yeah. Time frame was uh, 2018 and 2019. Uh, Season one was 2018 and season two was 2019. And then we were going to do season three in last year, 2020. And then, you know, the accident happened and that was just awful because I come to know him just through working with him. I still have his texts in my phone, you know, and uh, 
So when he passed away, that really hit hard because, I mean, I wasn't buddy-buddy with him, but still close enough to where and I worked with him, you know, doing something. He was passionate about the Punies. He was passionate about all his projects. You know, he won an Oscar, right? And, and um, so, yeah, um, he reached out. Kobe reached out to the Dodgers in 2018 looking for me because he wanted me to play the organ on a baseball episode of the punies. And for those of you that don't know, it's a children's podcast, uh, like on iTunes or Spotify. And it's characters that Kobe Bryant created kind of like the Charlie Brown characters. Um, the episodes are like 12 minutes each, give or take. And um, so instead of getting some random library stock organ, you know, recordings, he wanted the real thing. He wanted it to be authentic. So, um, so someone at the Dodgers say, hey, you, you know, Kobe wants to talk to you. I'm like, whoa, okay. So, and then I ended up getting a, a call from like Kobe's assistant, you know, Kobe's gonna call you 10 minutes. I said, okay, I go, yeah, sure. So um, I get this phone call from Kobe. Hey, you know, it's Kobe. And, and I didn't know if Kobe knew that I'd worked for the Lakers for 15 years, his final 15 years with the Lakers. And um, so I started telling Kobe, I'm not sure if you know, but you know, I did Lakers and um, I actually sat with Kobe on the airplane back in 2013. I was like telling him all this stuff. And that's a whole long story there too. I don't know if you want to hear we, that. We got, we got time. We got time. Okay. Let's go. So, yeah, go that, so, we got plenty of time. Let's go back. Right. Yeah. So in, in 2013, October 2013, the Lakers played two games in China. Uh, and um, I think we played the Warriors, those games. So um, I'm on the Lakers charter. Um, but, you know, staff sits in the back of the plane. The players sit in the front. Um uh, so after takeoff, though, a few minutes after takeoff, here comes Kobe Bryant down the aisle. I'm in the very back of the plane. And window seat, and there's two to my left that are empty. Then there's aisle. Then there's like three, then another aisle, and it's a wide body plane. Anyway, he asked me, he goes, can I sit there? Literally, the seat, there's an open seat between us, but he's on the aisle. But he asked me, I go, yeah, sure. It turns out that he had, I think, his personal assistant across the aisle and another one in the row in front. He wanted, he needed to talk to them. He wanted to come back there, hang out, and talk to his, his people there. So after, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, that kind of ended. And, and then lunch was being served, you know. And Kobe said, do you mind if I sit eat here? I go, no. So we pour our trays down. And here he is sitting with me in the back of the plane in the, the coach section on the team charter. We're going to China. And we're both eating. So we start talking. And, you know, I, I had to tell him what I did. He's like, oh, man, that's you. Okay. Cause you know, he, he's focused on the game. He told me he was focused, but he, he would hear, he would hear me and um, playing the organ during Lakers games. So um, anyway, that was a great experience. He ended up sitting next with, with me, maybe, I don't know, an hour ish, give or take. And I even did a selfie. I have a picture of that too. I think I posted on Twitter when he passed away. Um, that was a great memory. So anyways, fast forward to 2018 when he was looking for me to play on this podcast. I started telling him a little bit about this. He's like, D, D, stop. I know who you are. I remember you. And I go, oh my God, that was great. That was great. Kobe knows who I am. I'm like, oh my God. So um, he had me down to his studio uh, at Granity Studios, which is in Costa Mesa. And um, we worked on that first episode. 
And he liked it so much. He's like, let's, let's do another, let's do another. We'll have you down for those. And so I did a bunch of those episodes in the first season. He's like, we'll have you back for season two, you know? And it was just these, these kids that were playing games with, with, you know, um, it was like, it was children's pretending to be, it was children pretending to be um, like having their own play by play guys and, and their own commercials. Um, but there'd be like life lessons there too. They were really well done. I think, I think they got a good write up in the New York times. And so anyway, he chewed his word. He called me back for season two. Um, and we did a bunch of those episodes and, you know, my last time seeing Kobe was uh, May of 2019, and we did a picture there. And I think I posted that too on Twitter. And okay, season three, which was going to be in the spring of, of 2020. So when that accident happened in January of 2020, I was just like, just horrible because I'd, I'd come to know the man, you know, and, you know, I got to see him like, be him behind be himself and like he was just so passionate like he let me do my thing and at the same time he's like well let's what if we try this or that but yet without without dictating he'd collaborate he'd be like you know you know let me do my thing and um and then you know we had some downtime and i get to know like he was he was like us like he you know he enjoyed game of thrones and star wars and you know i guess you could say the nerdy part of, of all of us or whatever um so um but yeah i uh i got to work with kobe and got to know him and uh just so so sad he's not here anymore very sad i, I gotta say you know i know a lot of our listeners are gonna get upset at me at this i was never a kobe guy uh you know i grew up in 80s lakers showtime eras mm -hmm. magic johnson and kareem were my guys but it was really more his style of basketball. I was not a fan of, I felt like he dominated the ball. You know, I, I used to, I, it should be like magic, you know, spread the ball around and stuff like yeah. that. After he retired, there seemed to be something that this guy was evolving. I feel like he was coming into his own, seeing how he got involved with his daughter in, in, in basketball and then making that short film that he did win the Academy Award for. And then listening to you talk about that, the, the side that you saw, the fact that he could recognize that what was going to make him better, what was going to make the podcast better was to allow you to do your job. And to me, that's a sign of a great leader, someone who recognizes you hire someone because they're good at what they do. And what you need to do is let them do what they do well and not try to control them. Did you see that in Kobe also when you were working with him behind the scenes? Definitely, Juan. I love that you said that because I think that's just that's just so true. And I think that um, I think like with all of us, we all learn, live and learn. And Kobe, I, I always think of this like when I see something that's kind of sloppy out in the world. It's like Kobe would say, "You can do better." You know, just do better. Like we're all human, so we're not going to be perfect. You know, there's no perfection here in humanity, but but we can do better and, and just think a little more. And and with Kobe, he um, probably you know he he came up at such an early age too, and I'm sure you know he learned a lot from you know you learn from failure 
you know, from mistakes, from, from losing games and, and things like that. So um, I think with Kobe, um, but like you said, he just let me do my thing and, and um, great guy. I mean, just, just really down to earth, you know, and to see a side of him that wasn't out, you know, in front of the cameras, you know, it was pretty neat. I'm, I'm really fortunate that I was part of that, uh, working with him on those podcasts. It's like stories like this is what really makes for me his death even more tragic because I would have liked to have seen where he was going to go yeah. from, from here. That's and, to, yeah. He yeah, was coming I mean, into his second prime. Like, yeah. like, I mean, just, I mean, who, who goes out and just wins an Academy award just casually. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he got a lot of help when you have John Williams doing the music for your piece. I mean, again, I, I think part of his genius is him recognizing getting the best people to work on these projects. Uh, before we get to this famous question, Dieter, we're building it up and it's just, I feel like it's going to fall flat. I did want to ask you because you said, you know, you traveled with the Lakers to China and yeah. I know that you've played in some Olympic games. Is there yeah. a difference uh, playing music in an international venue? Do are international crowds different than the crowds that you're used to at Dodger Stadium or at a Kings game? Yeah, yeah, crowds are different internationally. Um, in that, um, well, even the Dodger crowds different than a Kings crowd. I think every 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 team's crowd is different. Every nation's crowd is different. I think internationally, um, they're different, but there's that one common bond that they all react to what's what they're watching you know and they all celebrate a home run or a goal or you know slam dunk um but you know playing internationally at olympics um you know like when i was in russia doing the 2014 winter olympics what really um caught on well what, what, what i played was i played a, a song called kalinka like an old russian folk song and of course I think that made the, 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 the Russians smile and they, they'd, I'd hear them clapping along, you know, cause they were familiar with it, you know? So even though it was a totally different world, different culture and everything, but, you know, we have that, that bond. If they hear something they're familiar with, you know, it can make them happy. They can want to clap along or dance along. So I think there's always that, I think there, there's always that, that musical bond, like music can trigger, uh, something familiar, something, you know, happy, you know, or something sad, you know. Um, yeah. Dieter, I can't wait to see you on Name That Tune. You will kick everyone's <laughs> ass. I think you just have to go on there to just shame everyone. <laughs> all right. So here we go. The, fi the, the, the big question, the last one from me. So we ask all our guests on the show. Now, I know you're, you were born in Van Nuys, but you grew up in Burbank, right? So you are a Southern California kid. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know this. Is this true? Your mother is Mexican American. Yeah. yeah. So this is an even more appropriate question to ask you, Dieter. What is your favorite taco? What taco do you have to have? And if there's a place around here that you go to that you think has really good tacos, you got to share it with us because we're taqueros here on the bleed Los, uh podcast. Yeah. We love talking about tacos. Yeah. 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 Well, um, hmm. there's a place I go to in North Hollywood on Lancashire and Burbank 
And I think it's a chain. There's like two or three of them around LA called uh, Los Los Burritos. Los Burritos. Yeah. And I love their potato tacos. You know, it's like it's a hard shell. They fry with with these these uh, potatoes and lettuce and tomatoes and cheese, and that's just I just love them. They're so good. That's it's hard to find. Like not every place has potato tacos, and I am vegetarian. I don't eat meat, so that's a good taco for me. There's also uh, a vegan brand. I think they're called Senna. And I think they have a truck. Well, they used to have a truck over on York and Highland Park. But Senna, uh, they're, they're all vegan, but their tacos were good. Their, their version of a chicken taco. But right now, it's, it's Los Burritos and the potato tacos. Man, I love them. Just that, the, the, everything about them. So. You're the first vegetarian we've had. On. Exactly. You are the oh, really? first. You are the first one that is given. A, and that just goes to show you what horrible people we are. We yes. just uh-huh. completely ignore the vegetarians. But you are the first potato taco. And I, I agree. Potato tacos are very underrated. Do, do you speak Spanish, Dieter? No. I mean, I was around it as a kid. But um, my mom, I wish she would have spoke it to me. But she kind of just kind of lost it herself too. Now that I, when I visit her, she's moved to Colorado now. And so I visited her a few months ago and then her Spanish is kind of gone. I mean, she, she grew up in Ensenada, but moved here as a kid. And sort of in those days, they wanted you to lose Spanish. And I think that's unfortunate, you know, she didn't really hang on to it. And, um, but when I was a kid, I, I was in the neighborhood with, you know, uh, the Jimenez brothers and I grew up in North Hollywood before moving to Burbank and uh-huh. um, Sergio and, and oh my god Efren I remember all my friends but I was around it a lot you know Juanita the babysitter and I, so if you speak slowly enough I could understand a little Spanish um, but I'm, I, I don't speak it unfortunately. Oh Dieter it I makes wish. so much sense now because I'm at the stadium and yeah. I see you start playing or I hear you start playing Los Angeles Azules. Yeah. And, and I sat there with my buddy. He's a, he's a listener on the show. Shout out to you, Oscar Basulto. We both looked at, him, at each other and went, Dieter is playing Como Te Voy a Olvidar. And then I've seen you, I've heard you play Selena. And I'm just like, damn, Dieter knows a lot of the Latino music. And I was today years old when I learned that you are half Mexican, so you are now a permanent invitee to the carne asada. <laughs> I appreciate it, and Thank we'll you. make you we'll make you some vegetarian ones too. Maybe maybe yeah, if you're yeah, into we'll it, make sure to have papas, papa so my, tacos. Yeah, my wife, there's, my, even, there's some, some good subs like Gardein makes some pretty yeah. good. Uh, you know. The crumbles, the, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my wife is a vegetarian, so we do like nopales, we do uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, potatoes, like yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's so it's we we don't discriminate at the carnesada. We 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 want to be an inclusive carnesada. I think and, so. Uh, this day and age, yeah, they have options for everybody. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Hey, Listen, Dieter, quick quick question before we let say, you go. Can I, can I just I, say the, the the Dodger Stadium, the new there's plant based Dodger dogs that are so good. Oh my god. I've had the vegetarian in the past and it just tasted so blah, but these plant-based Dodger dogs, they, they're so good. So, you know, we just had uh, Tony Can- uh, Cantella on the show and okay. we were interviewing him about the Dodger dog. I didn't get a chance to ask him about that because we were talking about chorizo and uh, yeah. longasina. So yeah. longaniza, longaniza. I grew up on that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, the one question that I had before we let you go, have you had tacos de canasta? No, I haven't. Because I will say there is a taco de canasta, a potato uh, de papa that is fantastic. So if you ever do get your hands, get your chance to get a taco de canasta de papa, I, I think you'll love it. Good to know. All right. Listen, Dieter, you're you're a you're a humble man, a scholar, and we really really appreciate you coming on. Because I mean, like I said, Juan pointed and alluded to it. You you have a, an incredible, you have an incredible story, and uh, and even uh, the uh, the roster that you've assembled, the, the fact that you keep it as humble as you do, man, that's that that speaks volumes as to who you are. So we really appreciate the time. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate Abs- it. Absolutely, we'll we'll have to have a vegetarian carnesada soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Dieter. All right, thank you. There you have it. Huge thanks to Dieter Rule for the hangs, the stories. Couldn't have been more gracious with his time. If you haven't, give him a follow. Also, give us a follow at Bleed Los Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the support. We couldn't do this without you. Go Dodgers. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.